Soccer. My name is Seth Bertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. Pablo, you didn't change the intro music this week. You always change the intro music. Uh, way too lazy. Way too lazy to do that this week. I'm sorry. But you're you are working on other more promising projects. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute here. I've been busy with something else. I'm sorry. That took you how long? Last night, the aforementioned. I spent about two hours doing this. Gosh. All right. I I forgive you for having the same intro song. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, how's everybody doing? Pretty pretty good. Yeah. I'm fine. Guys, as always, we welcome your call. Calls 347-756-6276. We'll talk about anything MLS. DC United. Actually, looks like we have a caller right off the bat here. I swear, if this is a Jurgen Klinsmann question, I'm sure it is. I swear to God. Uh, five seven one. You're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Uh, yeah. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I wasn't able to call in last week. Uh, I am the uh, the person with the unfortunate experience with Samuel and Coom. Oh my oh. God! Oh wow! Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, it's uh, a bit of a surprise to have you on so so soon. Yeah, um, I guess maybe just give us a little bit of a, a background. Um, I guess, well, let me give our listeners a little bit of background real quick. Um, uh, the gentleman we have on the show right now, <clears throat> what's your name again, sir? I'm sorry. My name is Paul. Paul, uh, yeah. Paul Ouellette. Yeah. And uh, you rented a, an apartment to Samuel and Kim when he first moved to D.C. When he, a house. No, a house, excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah, my house. My house that I bought, uh, you know, uh, on VA VA loan, um, former member of the Marine Corps, uh, and I was in from 99 to 03, um, deployed to Afghanistan shortly after December, or excuse me, September 11th. Um, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, I bought my house on VA loan, et cetera, et cetera. And, so uh, yeah. and I guess if we're to understand correctly, um, Samuel Incombe, during his short stay in D.C., did quite a bit of extensive damage to the apartment. I guess if you want to tell us a little bit about what you what you found, your experience with him. Yeah, and, and just to, just to clarify, it's it's not an apartment. It's, um, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm yeah. thir- <laughs> I'm 35, and I've lived in an apartment my entire life, so gotcha. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around I've the idea of a house. Apartments as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know where you're coming from, man. Uh, yeah. I've just turned 40 a few months ago, and so I've I've been uh, I've been in you know 500 square foot apartments, and uh, this was my first home uh, that I bought. You know, I wanted to move into Arlington. Uh, Basically, I uh, put the house in the market. I, I went to do some work overseas and uh, was contacted by my realtor saying that um, the, the Incoons had come by the house and they wanted to rent it. They absolutely fell in love with it. They were, I guess they were staying at some country square suites or whatever they're called. Uh, I don't 
not familiar with them. Uh, fortunately, I haven't had to stand one in uh, quite a while. But um, I've been there for a few weeks, and they had come over. They seen the house. Uh, we ran a credit check. Of course, no credit in the U.S. Uh, we weren't sure they were going to be able to qualify on their salary or on his salary uh, with BC United. Hadn't been in the U.S. very long. We were going to deny them, unfortunately, and say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, not going to be able to do it. And uh, then I get a letter um, from David Casper of BC United, general manager, um, which I'll be more than happy to send you a copy if, if you'd like. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, we'd that. definitely love to see that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, I can do that easily. Uh, you know, it basically stating that they intended to resign him for 2015 and give him a $2,000 a month housing stipend. Well, once we found, once we heard that, our financial uh, concerns were alleviated, and uh, we believe that he was going to be resigned for the 2015 season. Uh, what I didn't want is someone just moving into the house for just a few months and. Well, it isn't healthy on a on a home. It isn't healthy on any property. Just moving stuff in, moving stuff out. Uh, so in any, in any case, uh, yeah, uh, I don't even know where where to begin again. Uh, it, it's been crazy, guys. It's been absolutely crazy. Uh, contacted Samuel in February. Uh, asked him where the rent was. It was the first time that it's been that virtually late. He told me he didn't send it. This was like February 9th, February 10th. So he uh, he knew he wasn't going to send me the, the rent check. And uh, I said, well, hey, look, you know, um, I need the money. And he said, well, hey, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in negotiations with Houston, and something's going to work out very soon. And I said, well, what are you going to do if you get traded to Houston? And my thinking was, hey, man, if you get traded to Houston, you've got to move out. Hey, not a big deal, okay? The worst thing that happens is you move out. I'll find someone else to rent the place. Very fully and invasive as, as far as to like, you know, what it takes to, you know, fix the situation. Pretty easy to, to, to mitigate. He says, no, I'm keeping my family here in D.C. My children, they love the school. They're only three blocks away. My, my wife loves the, loves, loves the house. I'm going to go to Houston. I'm going to live there, and I'll travel back and forth. I said, hey, Sammy, that's great. That's awesome news. Uh, I tell you what, I can give you until March 1st. If you come up with the rent that you owe me, you're more than welcome to stay. Otherwise, I'm going to have to ask you to leave because I can't be paying your bills and you staying in the house without without making the payments. You know, uh, it's just not financially feasible for me. And he said, Ah, no worry, man. No worries. Hey, I'll take care of you. You got my respect. I respect you. You're a good person, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, Okay, great. March 1st rolls around. I can't get a hold of him. I can't contact him. Nowhere to be found. My realtor goes over there on the 2nd, and he's the one who finds the place in just complete disarray. So what um, – I guess we're, we're to from, – from what we've heard, um, I guess he was trying to mount a television of the wall and kind of drilled into a wastewater line, right? So the, yeah. the walls, yeah. floors, all kinds of stuff uh, suffered, I guess, some pretty ex- extensive damage. Um, let me ask you something. So – I guess obvi- it, it sounds like it sounds like obviously your your attempts to extract some sort of payment from Mr. Incum have been unsuccessful. What do you see as the team's role in this? I, I remember you know I watched a, a news clip where you said that you'd obviously reached out the team to see what, you know what they could do, and they're not being incredibly helpful. Um, how do you Man. see their role in the whole process? Yeah, 
Man, that's a great question. And I, I really appreciate you asking that. And, sure. And just for a complete, uh, you know, we, we haven't spoken before, and I haven't asked you to ask this question. So that's just complete transparency right there. Yep. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to rent to Samuel and Coombe. And there was a part of me, I don't even know if I should say this, but I will. There was a part of me that, you know, Ghana has been like kind of a thorn in our national team side for the past couple World Cups. <laughs> All right, let's be kind of honest about that. And I said, you know what, man, but hey. He's coming to play for D.C. United. <laughs> this is an olive branch, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's see how this can work out, you know. But when we looked at the finances, we're like, you know, shoot. I hate to do this, but he's not going to qualify. Myself and my realtor never asked David Casper to write that letter. We never asked for anybody from the team, and I've got – you know, I've, I've talked to T.J. Scholl about this. I've talked to Rory Maleda about this. Rory, Rory Maleda, and I don't want to say Rory Maleda, there were team representatives who were dropping off checks to my realtor for, for the home. We never asked anybody from the team to write a letter vouching for Samuel and Karen. We just said, hey, thank you. It's not going to work out. Good luck to you. I hope everything, you know, we hope everything works out for you in, in, in the D.C. area. How do I, how do I, uh, how is the team culpable? We would have never allowed Samuel and his family to move in without that letter. When I talked to David Casper and Samuel, Sam Porter, who is uh, DC United's legal representative about this situation on the phone, I told them, I said, hey, look, guys, there may be no precedent for me to retrieve any monetary assistance from you guys in the, in the legal court system. I said, but don't you feel somewhat obligated morally to help someone out who lives in the area, who is part of the fan base that you claim to represent in the city? Don't you think you'd like to help somebody out who has been, you know, getting, getting the dirty end of the stick here? And, uh, all they could come up with, all they could come up with is, hey, we're going to give you a telephone number and a name that I already had. I already had Christian Emile's, you know, Samuel and Coombs agent. I already had his name. I already had his phone number. I already knew how to get a hold of his agent. And that's all they could come up with. I told TJ Scholl, the PR rep over at the team, come over to the house, take a look. I invited David Casper over to the house, take a look, look what's going on here, you know. And I told them, I'm not seeking any back rent through the team. I'm not seeking any forward rent. But when the damage occurred, he was an employee on your club. Yeah, and you were paying more than, more than half his rent when the damages occurred. I said, we're all going to get painted with the, the broad stroke of the brush here, guys. But help me out. Yeah, I mean, understandable. I think it's yeah. easy to. Un- I, I I I would think it's sort of easy to understand both sides of this. I completely understand where you're coming from. I also think I probably understand a little bit where United's coming from. If it's just, you know, they wrote a letter of recommendation, and you know that doesn't legally obligate them to 
help anybody. But I, but having said that, obviously, I see you're in a, a very tough spot. Well, my my question is, what sort of attempts have you been making to try to contact him? Have you had any success? Do you have any idea where in the world he is located? <laughs> where is right Samuel now? Yeah. right now? Okay, <laughs> another great question. Uh, I'm speculating right now. I believe he's in the UK with his with his agent. Um, I can tell you that he left the United States on um, February 28th. He called me one day from his Ghana cell phone number or from his phone number in Ghana and yelling at me. He called me. It was about a 20 second conversation. 95 percent of the conversation was him yelling at me, saying. Uh, I shouldn't have said anything. This is all my fault. This is what happens when I when I talk to people and nobody wants to hire him now and, and blah 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 blah. He's blaming everything on me. I said, Samuel, why are you why are you so angry at me? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything. You know. He came back to the United States in um, late March. He was here for, for a few days. He flew into New York. He actually spoke to my attorney on the phone while he was here, told my attorney, I'm going to be here for a week. I'm coming into Virginia. I'm up in New York. And, um, I'm, you know, I, I, my attorney's taking care of this, and, and we're going to get to the bottom of this, et cetera, et cetera. He got on a plane that night and left the U.S. I don't know where he went. I can tell you this. We have had conversations with his attorney who's representing him in this matter. Uh, she is in uh, Burke or Springfield, Virginia. Mm-hmm. My attorney has had many conversations with her. Uh, we have presented, my realtor and myself have presented him with numerous possibilities of how he could get out of this um, at a fraction, gentlemen, a fraction of the cost that he is going to face if this thing goes to court. Um and that was basically just to cover the damages. Um, the guy left the house, didn't even leave the keys. He left. He, he took all the garage remotes. Um, <laughs> the house was supposed to be clean. It wasn't clean. I mean, I, I just had to pay a bill today for $350 to Arlington, Virginia, you know, sewer and water, because from December, or excuse me, from October of last year until February of this year, the water bill wasn't even put in his name. So there's another 400, 350 bucks I had to pay for this guy. And uh, there's been numerous attempts, Jonah, probably more than half a dozen attempts contacting him saying, hey, look, we need something from you so we can move on and, uh, and get my house back the way it was. Um, it was a brand new home. Uh, I've basically put a lot of my life savings into getting to move into Arlington, Virginia, um, and uh, guys, it's just been an absolute nightmare. I can tell you that nothing has been misrepresented as far as the damages have, have, uh, that, have been, that have occurred. I've had many reputable restorations companies come in and look at this, um, and, you know, Samuel and Coombe is looking at 30%. Arlington County is going to, when it goes for judgment, and it will here very shortly, it is not unlikely for the judges in Arlington County to award 30% on top of what is being sued for 
for damages for attorney fees. So, I mean, we're, we'll certainly all of that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, man. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, we're just running a little short on time. We're we're obviously going to follow the story, and uh, it does sound, uh, on the surface at least, um, like a, a truly unfortunate situation for you. Obviously, um, but we'll, you know, good good luck. If we if we hear from Samuel Incum, we'll let you know where he is. He's not he's he not he's he not contracted to play on any soccer team right now, you know. So, um, well, he's. I can tell you from from local reputable sources, he's never playing in the MLS. Oh He'll yeah. Oh, I think that probably um, has has more to do with the fact that he's not very good at soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, uh, you it, know that's kind of what I found out as well. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, hey, I appreciate your time, guys. I appreciate you listening to my story. Um, we appreciate I mean, your time. I'll, yeah. You know, if I hear something else, I'll, I'll let you guys know. But you know what? Just one last thought. I'm not looking for the world from DC United. I'm just looking for them to be like, hey, you know what? You got the dirt at the end of the stick here. How can we help you out? And I'm not, I'm not looking to take advantage of the team. Sure. I'm not looking to take advantage of them. Uh, I'm just, I'm just looking for some help so I don't have to sell my home. Yeah, uh, no. I, I, we we completely yeah. understand. It sounds like you're being perfectly reasonable. So um, we'll keep I'm our, we'll uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, man. And we really appreciate your time. No, I appreciate your guys' time. Thank right. you very much. All right, take care, man. All right, later, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, that was unexpected. <laughs> that was very <laughs> kind of caught, caught me off guard. Well, there, we we had requested through um, Heather on on Twitter, who I, I would assume is his wife or a friend. We don't really know yeah. the relationship, but uh, we had requested that, that they call in. But that was a while back and hadn't heard anything, so I would kind of, of forgotten about it. Lots of good info on there that we that was previously not known you know so um anyways where were we i think we were in the intro um yeah uh thoughts all right Tom, let, thomas floyd hasn't let, said anything let, let's work on this transition uh shifting things to mathers on the field uh i'll tell you what else is a disaster is mls's sap coverage <laughs> right uh so friday night um there were two games um <laughs> I, I, I had watched the the Friday night MLS games before, but I had always just watched them in Spanish because uh, my SAP didn't work. But this time I, I got it to work, and I was just blown away. And I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah, I actually uh, – I had missed out on this particular doubleheader, but I had watched some SAP games in the past, and I was uh, less than satisfied. All right, so let's go. Let's go over some of the some of our grievances. <laughs> this, this, if you if you remember at the beginning of the podcast, which seems like days ago, <laughs> uh, Pablo said that he was working on a little bit of a project last night. I so uh, Ramses Sandoval and Paul Calgary are obviously. First of all, I want to clarify something. I would be a terrible announcer. I'm in no way implying that any of us could do any better. But we, we were forced to point well, out we, some we, of the more egregious errors. We from, make fun of people for playing soccer poorly, and in no way could we could step onto an MLS field and uh, do any better. I think our, our first complaint would be the pronunciation of Mix Discarude's name, right? Both. Uh, How do you pronounce that? Mix Discarude. Rude. I, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, just take a listen to how Ramses Sandoval and Paul Caliguri 
Paul Calajuri. Oh, that was ironic. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, <laughs> anyways. Next, Desk Rudd wearing the Magic number 10 jersey. Desk Rudd on the right side. Ball played on the right side. Good pass by Desk Rudd. Here comes Desk Rudd. Mix Desk Rudd. Desk Rudd. Desk Rudd. Desk Rudd. Desk Rudd. Desk Rudd. Disc miscredits. The pivot move by Discred. You get into the field. It's mixed. Discred. You can take a shot. Discred. Take a shot. Discred. Wide. You know, I, I think that Discred has to do better with this. <laughs> um, Clearly, not, it's not mixed Discred. Or Dick's Miscred. Dick's Miscred. <laughs> My favorite part is. I'd like to think that Calajari actually knows the proper pronunciation. But I think he was just he, trying to like yeah, not he, correct him. Exactly. He yeah. would have felt awkward jumping in with a different take on it than his play-by-play guy. Now let's let's take a detour here and go back to the first SAP game, which was DC United Orlando. Was that well, the first one? Uh, that was that was the first one where we noticed uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the slip-ups. Right. It, it was like the third or fourth overall. Here's a here's here's a, a quality one of a, an MLS stalwart. No idea for this one as we look at United, coached by Ben Olsen, of course, somewhat of a four-four-two for him as well as we look at the back line. Ball. And when you start with Hamid and the goalkeeper. You got to understand this guy's 2014 best 11 Major League Soccer. But those guys right there, Brian Boswell, this is his first game. Back. He is from Tampa. He's excited to play in his home state. He's excited about this game. Kitchen and Arno in the midfield. They're going to defend. They got to be aware of where Kaka roams and Ariata. That guy's hot up top and he plays very well with Pontius who's got a score last week. I think that's almost like Ariaga from the Open Wide for some soccer sketch. I I also feel obligated to point out that a single Brian Boswell, I feel like we could just rolled with. Brian Boswell was repeated several times throughout the first half. Um, this isn't, you know, an undrafted rookie. This is a 10-year MLS veteran, previous MLS Defender of the Year, reigning best 11 Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon Guts uh, well, that, competitor. I, the, so so yeah. I want you guys to take a listen to this and just... Just see if you notice anything wrong with this next clip. Primeiro was trying to turn Obadi on him, and United will have the ball again in the midfield. And it was Arnott, although he was foul. As we look at how Orlando City that wasn't it. puts the 11 men in the pit. And, and it is like a 4-5-1, but really it's a 4-4-3-1. And it allows the to really... <laughs> Uh, a four-four-three-one would allow Kakata roam freely, I guess, because you'd have two extra players in the field. Yeah, he would not have to play much defense. He'd have a lot of options. So yeah, I I I feel like we should break down the tactical implications if Orlando actually played a four-four-three-one. Would that allow them to get Lewis Neal and Carlos Rivas on the field <laughs> together? Uh, could you have Iguita, Saren, and Akugo all out there? Go with three D mids. There are a lot of different uh, permutations of this lineup they could, they could go. Thomas, with. I don't think we have time for this since the, <laughs> since the first eighteen minutes of our show were unexpectedly taken up by Samuel Incombe's troublesome rental past. Yeah, uh, which we're which we're thankful for, obviously. So let's let's skip ahead to halftime here now. Well, now we're moving past the DC United Orlando game from like a month ago. Now we're back to Friday. NYCFC. Right, for Friday night. Chicago. Right. Halftime, what you're seeing on the screen is a Spanish language interview being conducted with no audio. So I think I want to say it's Marcelo Balboa interviewing. It was, was a, uh, it was Julie DuPrado. But I don't think anybody in the booth, the SAP booth, was able to identify that player. So this is how it came out. As our colleagues will have a word. Course presented by Advocare with 
Who else? A player from the winning team. And- that's that's about as good as you can guess as a player from the winning team. Um, also, we noticed uh, uh, extensive use of the phrase green rectangle for the field and white bullet for the soccer ball. I, I don't even know what to say about those ones. I feel like it's, uh, I don't know, maybe going for a catchphrase and trying a little too hard. Yeah. Also, the fact that... At least, at least a green rectangle is what a soccer field basically is. A white bullet in no way, shape, a, or form yeah. resembles a, a soccer It's ball. not even a, a sphere. Anyways, <laughs> um, also, you're going to listen to what, uh, what Calgary has to say about... Uh, I love how you keep mispronouncing his name. Don't you think that's part of the joke? It's not. So, <laughs> uh, listen to what he has to say about Sean Maloney, uh, who apparently he thinks is Pele. Tell me about Colorado and the 11 men that start in the green rectangle, Paul. Well, the green there rectangle. again, you have uh, Paolo Mastroni. Nope. <laughs> Control in the back quickly. The white bullet is by Watson. Lost by Maloney. Put it in. Put it in. Maloney. Put it in. Take a shot. Do something, Maloney. Maloney's feet, I mean, he's extremely dangerous. Technical skill. He, he, he sets up players like no one else in this league. He's just a brilliant player. Now, you're always correct, Paul Caligiuri. Nope. Or at least that's what Twitter says. Now Dallas again. Crossing the line that divides 50% of the green rectangle. <laughs> if you didn't crossing hear that, he just said crossing the line that divides 50% of the green rectangle. I'm not sure that... It's so technical. Instead of saying take a shot, he says... Move the ball forward, propelling it with the lower extremity part of your body. <laughs> so, so to wrap this up, uh, Seth and I were watching this, uh, not together. We were watching separately, but we were uh, Google chatting the entire time. And obviously, the hilarity got to the point where we felt the need to insert ourselves in this. So we both started tweeting at the Univision, uh, Univision Deportes uh, crew, and this is what uh, what we ended up with. Either Pablo Maurer or Pablo Maurer Either from one. Washington says, I really think Dallas takes this one. And I'm digging the Univision Deportes Network commentary. Well, thanks, Pablo, for tuning in. All the way in Washington. All the way. It's a national. Well, a Dallas guy if he thinks FCD can take this. Seth Vertelney. Sorry if I put your damn boy. We're getting some tough names today. No, you actually got that correct. Oh, man. David Yarno, no. Seth, Ver- Seth Vertelny, yes. Bobby Boswell, no. Uh, anyways. I was disappointed they didn't read my tweet, though. Yeah. Uh, what was your tweet again? Well, so they spent a good 30 seconds during the NYCFC Chicago game reading somebody's tweet that was comparing the merits of Chicago deep dish pizza versus New York style pizza. So I tweeted at them during the dallas colorado game saying that although texas barbecue is very good i prefer rocky mountain oysters go rapids <laughs> and um unfortunately they only had time to read my name if you don't know what rocky mountain oysters are just google it uh let's talk a little bit about dc united before my laptop battery dies <laughs> so dc how, united. We, how are we doing on that by the way 31% laptop uh, charger left at work. Oh, so, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah, uh, best soccer show is coming on at 10. They'll keep you company after. But if, if the show does abruptly cut off, you know why. Yeah. Uh, so DC, DC United with a 
2-1 win on the road over the Supporters' Shield leading Vancouver Whitecaps. And I think the, the, the big topic here is that sounds like a fantastic result, and it is in terms of just the three points they got and the, the matchup they faced. But actually watching the game, how much stock do we put into this game? Is Does the fact that DC and I went on the road and beat a team like Vancouver, is that an indication that you know this is an MLS Cup contender? Or when we actually analyze the game and see that you know they actually were up a man for 50 minutes and uh, Vancouver still controlled a lot of the play and created a lot of chances despite that, is there actually, would it have been disappointing for them to get anything other than the three points? Were the three points kind of you know, the minimum in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, anytime you're up a man for 45 minutes, essentially you, you expect to win. Um, I do think it's a great result for United, obviously, but I definitely think you have to temper it with, like you said, the fact that Vancouver, honestly, even in the second half down a man, uh, controlled the ball for long stretches. I thought, um, in the first half and even down a man in the second half, they pressed incredibly effectively. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's a good result. You can't really take that much away from it. Bottom line is it's three points against the the leading, you know, the table leading team, you know, essentially in the entire league. You know, so but but obviously, you know, there are exceptions. You're being a little negative, I think. I mean, you, you fly as far as you do and get a road win against a pretty good team, albeit playing ten men for half the game. I, I mean, is that where we're at in MLS where like you? you have a man advantage for 45 minutes and you're still like, wow, I got a road, I got road points. Road win. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) I think that is accurate. Compelling stuff. Uh, You know, I think, I think it was, you know, just boiling it down. Ben Olsen does what he needs to get results. And he's been doing that for a while now. That's kind of become his trademark as a coach. If, you know, if if it means winning ugly despite being up a man for 50 minutes, as long as they get the result, then that's really all that matters in the end. You know, they don't hand out style points in MLS. And, and also, there were various obstacles still working against them. They're still without Marcus Halstead, still without Steve Birnbaum. They were down to their third-string goalkeeper for the last 20 minutes of that match. They're, you know, this even though they were up a man, it's... Uh, there are a lot of positives to take away from that game, even if it wasn't the prettiest soccer. Yeah, I want to talk about the guy who scored the game-winning goal, uh, Chris Rolfe, who was a great pickup last year, and I would say has taken his game up to a, a different level even this year. And At least these last couple of games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, we were just kind of wondering, is he D.C. United's best player? Is he D.C. United's most important player? I would say that he's up there, but I'd, I'd still put probably Bill, Perry, and Fabi, maybe Boswell ahead of him uh, in terms of how valuable they are. Actually, I'd say definitely Boswell. He Boswell adds a lot of stability to the back line. Perry is just kind of the does-everything player. Bill bail, bails him out time and time again. And uh, he and Fabi are actually similar in terms of the creative presence they bring to the attack and the finishing prowess. But Fabi is just a little bit more consistent, I think, and a little more dynamic. But Rolf, that I, I feel like it's a it's a unfair way to look at this because Rolf has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, just because he's not their most important player doesn't mean he's a very important player. He 
uh, does a lot for them. Not just, you know, we see the finishes and we talk about that and he had the great free kick and this pretty emphatic strike uh, on Saturday over the last two weeks. But he also, he's really big to uh, their ball control and in games where they are having trouble maintaining possession. He's often the guy who can collect the ball in midfield and just, he, he keeps a handle on it. He doesn't have cheap giveaways. He, you know, especially for a player who looks to do creative things on the ball a lot, he still is very clean. He's good at just holding the ball up, whether he's up top or on the flank, and, and just allowing United to keep possession and get numbers forward and attack. Yeah, he seems to just always make the right decision when he's on the ball, whether that would be just slowing down the tempo and keeping possession or trying to push it a little bit and, and attack. And it, it seems like he's been just at the forefront of all of DC United's positive attacking moves, or at least most of them over the last three or four games. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, he's a, he's a extremely important player for them. And it's, it's curious to see how he'll fit into the lineup as players get healthy. If Silva uh, ends up being 90 minutes fit at some point this year, uh, how, how you get him and the Spindola and Pontius and Rolf and potentially Farfan and Delion. Like, obviously you can't get all those guys on the field at the same time. So you kind of have to, figure out who's going to be your guys off the bench. And I would say, you know, as good as Rolf was last year, I could have seen a scenario where he transitioned perhaps into a player off the bench this year, just because of the number of players they have. If Pontius was back to full strength, if Deleon was playing as best, but the way these first few, these first couple months have gone, it's clear Rolf is a definite starter, a definite catalyst of this attack and, and, you know, as uh, as I know, Pablo would would argue, perhaps is the team's most important player. You could you could make the case for it. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, to, to me, it's let's leave Hamid out of this. It's just difficult to yeah, you know, compare. apples and oranges. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think it's got to be Rolf for Spindola. I, I I know what Perry means to this team. I know that he's even this year the leading scorer, but. Um, I just think Rolf and Espindola, what they do in the final third, the way they occupy defenders, the way Rolf holds the ball, you know, I, I, I think they're invaluable. And they both have that sort of creative flair that is missing from a few of United's other attacking pieces. Silva, I'll give you that, you know, but um, the bottom line is it not on the field right now for more than 25 minutes. So so, so what is going on with Silva? We We were chatting about this a little bit before – he missed the first month of the season with a hamstring issue, right? He did. Was it? Yes, it was. Okay, it was a it was, just... Yeah, he actually, there was some ambiguity about it, but he said definitively he redid the hamstring injury he had suffered last Yeah, season. so so he, he came back against Orlando City and scored the game winner in, in injury time. But since then, he's played in three games, and in all of his appearances, they've been about 15 minutes give or take a couple. So now it's, he's made four appearances in a row and played all of them off the bench and all of them about, about 15 minutes. Uh, Michael Varfan, we all agree, had a pretty good game against uh, Vancouver doing a pretty decent job in, in Silva's absence. But what are we to make of a, a guy who seemingly was ready to come back healthy a month ago and, and still hasn't played more than 20 minutes in a game? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. We've kind of been like half joking that they've been building up his fitness, you know, two, three minutes at a time. So by the time the playoffs are all around, he'll be at 90 minutes. Uh, but he, uh, you know, 
it's I think it's mostly been a matter of circumstance. You know, the the plan I imagine is always like, all right, we'll get him in for fifteen, then we'll get him for twenty next week, then twenty five or thirty. But it's just in the matchups they've been involved in, like against Vancouver, you had the goalkeeper injury, which throws a wrench in things and and changes your substitution pattern. And so then Silva ends up coming on, you know, five to ten minutes later than they expected. And the game for, before against Houston, uh, you know, you had uh, some guys who were playing pretty well uh, up top, and, and maybe uh, Olsen didn't want to mix things up. And you know, it's uh, it's about the rhythm of the game, and, and sometimes I, I think that is the problem here. I, I I mean, it's also possible that they're just being very careful with Silva because of past injury concerns with guys like Pontius with uh, hamstring ailments, but. Uh, I I would mostly say it's just you know things haven't quite worked out from the build up fitness. Yeah, and and they've been getting results, so they can afford to bring them along slowly. Yeah, and ninety percent of the teams make the playoffs, so you really don't have a a real need to rush him. Right, they already clinched a playoff berth. Yeah, I know uh, it was. Uh, they were handing out T-shirts and popping champagne in the locker room. It was a great scene. Yeah, they can definitely afford to bring them along slowly. Um, let's let's pivot a little bit to. The uh, the marquee event of this week, of course, the Concacaf. You're talking about uh, Samuel Incombe, Samuel Incombe's, uh landlord calling us on this podcast. <laughs> I, I was talking about the trial. Yeah. If if there's the a tri- trial, if, if there's a, I don't think it's the, that's not the way it works. The there's trial. not going to be a trial like the, oh, Samuel Incombe judged in absentia by a jury of his peers. <laughs> we're we're going to go whatever whatever court proceedings there are. We're going to do a live open Dude, wide for some soccer. TJ Scholl, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, <laughs> and nothing but the truth? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Um, no the the CCL final second leg is Wednesday night. Club America at Montreal. Uh, there will be over 60,000 Canadians there, which translates roughly into about 45,000 Americans, I think, something like that. Um, we did not give Montreal the respect that they deserved on our last show, because basically all we were talking about is if Club America wins the first leg 6 or 7-0, will Montreal be able to get that big attendance in the second leg, or will a lot of them just decide not to show up? And in actuality, Montreal goes down to Mexico City, to the Azteca, and, and gets a 1-1 draw. And what should have been a one nothing win, possibly more. I mean, with a first-half red card, you have no idea what would have happened. Well, see, here's what I'm going to say about that. Montreal definitely got screwed over on that call. It should have been a red card. However... Club America scored a goal earlier in the first half where it looked like the player was dead even with the last defender. Yeah. Uh, it was called offside. Okay, that's a kind of 50-50 play. But I also think that Montreal was extremely fortunate in that Club America just was not finishing their chances. They had a number of opportunities to score. They had way more shots in Montreal and all of their shots would either go wide or go straight at Evan Bush. So I think on balance, Montreal, although they definitely could have gotten a better call on that should have been red card. They should be pretty content with a, a one, one draw. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, you know, uh, they would have taken that absolutely before the game and the way things turned out, you kind of get the feeling that maybe, 
it was they they could have almost even like buried this series in that game. So in that uh when you look at it from that perspective, it's perhaps an opportunity miss, but still it's it's amazing. I, I'm watching these Montreal players from this team that based on everything we've seen in MLS, and granted they've only played four MLS games be, because of insane MLS scheduling, <laughs> um they they look like they you know are going to be contending for last place in the Eastern Conference <laughs> again this year. They are and, the only team without a win. Great, yeah. they've only had four games, but I mean, it's just guys like uh, Sumare is playing, you know, the game of his life over and over again in CCL, and uh, Simon. I mean, he's actually a good player with a great pedigree, but he played perhaps the best game I've seen from an MLS defender in years in that first leg. He I, was... I, would, I would say with, with Simon, I haven't watched all of Montreal's MLS games, but he has been significantly better in CCL than he has yeah. in MLS. In, in MLS, he, he's been exposed for some of his uh, risky decisions he makes uh, playing out of the back. And, That's generous. <laughs> yeah. He, he's kind of like an Aurelian Colin who is a bit smoother on the ball. And doesn't, have a, tra- and doesn't have a tramp stamp. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the Caleb Malice, I was, it looks like Steven Gerrard out there. He's like <laughs> pinging balls around, uh, hitting 60-yard switches like they're nothing. It's, it's incredible. Domenico Duro is successfully dribbling a soccer ball. It's... <laughs> Uh, um and and yeah and and, and Piatti has yeah. kind of become their go to goal scorer playmaker. Uh, He's also pretty good though. I think it was Paul Tenorio who had the tweet of the night during right after that non call, you know, the yellow card that should have been a red and it just mm-hmm. said, Well, you can't give him a red for denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity because it was Oduro. <laughs> so he's not I gonna think, finish it, obviously. Yeah. Um so Let's 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 talk about the discussion that has been dominating the last couple of days. The controversial attempts by Montreal to bring in uh, any goalkeeper. Right, uh, controversial attempt by Montreal to cheat. To, to, yeah. <laughs> kind of, to kind of cheat. Uh, I had I had sources telling me yesterday that they had reached out to Bayern about bringing in Manuel Neuer. Shut up. And uh, what, what what sources? <laughs> They were, they uh, did you read that on Goal.com? <laughs> uh, you know, Europe, European site or something? <laughs> low, low blow. What do we... What do we, Oh, yeah, well, I write for the league website, so I'm used to this. Um, <laughs> what, what do we make of this? I mean, this is... Uh, this is absurdity. We, yeah. should, we, we should point Thomas, out that... Thomas, you lit an internet pitchfork earlier. Yes. When you, were, you know. We should, we should point out that, uh, like an hour before the show, they ended up signing, not loaning, but signing... Um, Former Rochester Rhinos great. What's his name? I, I can't think uh, of his name. Christian Niecht? Yeah. I don't know Niecht. how. Niecht. Also, I, from, uh, from Indy 11. Yeah. Bundes, Bundesliga 2, Keeper of the Year, the yeah, mid-2000s, I, be, played Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see what triggered this particular career path. Um, <laughs> but Like, uh, you'd yeah. think he could have made the jump to MLS, you know. But uh, if you aren't familiar, uh, Montreal had higher aspirations they were trying to bring in chicago fire and fringe u.s national team goalkeeper sean johnson who had previous previously played under coach frank yallop and alongside montreal center back bakari sumara so made sense from that perspective it didn't make sense from any other perspective because this was basically you know it would have been a one-game loan where mls would allow a 
completely absurd and otherwise unallowed transaction to take place. Normally, loans have to be for a full season. You're only allowed to do it with young players. There's no recall option. They would have thrown all those rules out the window and were apparently considering it. A Chicago Fire spokesman publicly confirmed, I believe, to Jeff Carlisle that this was in the works and they had cleared its legality with CONCACAF. And what made the move not happen? Um, according to, um, I, I can't think of his name, Rivera, I believe is his last name, that he covers the fire. He said that the reasons were twofold. First of all, Chicago was asking for too much money. And second of all, the league was a little bit concerned about the optics of basically cheating. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I guess for, for once they were concerned about optics. Yeah, no, which I, yeah, I, like, I sort of, like we were talking about this. I, I, I said to you, like, I think the league is less concerned when it comes to something like roster rules and regulations or the salary cap, CBA, all kinds of stuff, because they're, those are things that really only American soccer nerds care about. And, and it's, it's internal. You're, it, not, you're not messing with a... The competition. Yeah, with yeah. A, a club world... There aren't club World Cup implications. For, for Christ's sake, the club the World club Cup. The club World is, Cup. Oh, my God. That is sacrosanct. Soccer's, <laughs> soccer's holiest and most sacred competition, the Club World Cup. Can you imagine how much it'll, it would taint Montreal's victory in the Club World Cup if, if this were to happen? Well, I said this. Honestly, if I were a player on Montreal Impact and... We brought in Sean Johnson. I, I would I would rather lose with players on my own roster than, than win with I, I would, I would, someone you know, else's goalkeeper. I would I would love to hear what other impact players had to say about that. I mean, yeah, you, th- yeah. Th- that just kind of undermines everything that you've been doing kinda, and working kinda, for like, as a team. I'd love to hear what Sean Johnson has to say about that. I mean, I guess it's it's a paycheck, you know. So obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, you know, like why wouldn't he do it? Does but on the he, other hand, does he get the? Uh... The Up championship or. medal? Does he does he return to play for them in the Club World Cup? Yeah, I mean, need, needless to say, I got you here. Yeah. Needless to say, it's definitely a good thing that this didn't go through. And I guess we'll have to figure out, you know, where Montreal found the money to facilitate this transfer when they already have, I believe, four keepers. Or they, they have one who's like an emergency keeper, but they have they definitely have three on the roster. They have Crippo, Kronberg, and, and Bush. Bush, yeah. And then they have this guy from Smits. Edmonton, Smits. So I, now they have five, basically. I'm going to assume Smits was sent packing tonight uh, in all likelihood. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, the other question is, like, they have this Smits guy who's from lower division. Was it really worth it to find another lower division goalkeeper? Tells I mean, me presumably Smits, he's Smits better. Smits was never in Bundesliga. Yeah, presumably like he's this, better. I but. feel like this uh, nicked guy or whatever just – has some sort of like skeleton in his closet that keeps him from being an MLS. Yeah, Just like I, he once like killed an MLS trainer or something, or I don't know. How did he end up going from Bundesliga two to the Rochester Rhinos? I don't know. I'll have to uh, ask the Rhinos expert about that. <laughs> your your girlfriend. Yeah. One one other what? thing too about all this is, uh, I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter today about you know people are saying, oh, I mean this is. The, the last thing, MLS, the perception of MLS abroad is going to be worsened by this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Stop saying that. Like, the, the perception of MLS domestically is piss poor, right? I mean, the last thing the league needs to do is alienate even more soccer fans in this country, which is which is genuinely what, you know, it's hard to measure the effect of it, but it's probably what, what would have happened. Yeah. 
Um, I think we should we should finish with uh, a little bit of discussion as to what it would really mean if Montreal were to finally clear that last hurdle that MLS has been hoping for and have one of its teams win the CONCACAF Champions League. Okay. I, I kind of want to answer that with a kind of counter question. <laughs> would it be different if Montre- uh, with Montreal winning as opposed to what if the LA Galaxy or the Seattle Sounders, a flagship team, yeah, yeah, actually and, won the competition. And an American, t- or well, a, a team from the U.S. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Like I, I do, I do wonder if that, if the perception will be any different. See, in my opinion, the impact winning, I think, will it won't move the needle at all because it's just going to be like, oh, this was just a weird, fluky year of the competition. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, if Real Salt Lake had won, and with that great Real Salt Lake team in 2011, that would have felt like an accomplishment. Like MLS sent their best to play against Mexico's best, and MLS came out on top. Well, let me, let me counter that. Uh, certainly this Montreal team is not as good as other teams in the league or that Real Salt Lake team. I think that the flukiness can't really be debated because they have gotten past multiple Mexican teams in well, in this competition. They've gotten past one Mexican team and are on the verge. They of would doing, have gotten right, past yeah. multiple Mexican teams, which is what Real Fa- Salt Lake team. failed yeah. to and do. The New- and right. the New York Red Bulls. <laughs> the New York Red Bulls playing all their second stringers. Uh, I mean, Supporter I, shield contending the only, New York Red Bulls. I mean, the, the only quibble that you would have as far as legitimacy is that it was extremely easy, relatively, for Montreal to qualify for this competition because they only had to get past Edmonton, a lower division team, and then Toronto, whereas the American teams have to have some sort of accomplishment, whether it's Supporter Shield winning I mean, the MLS Cup. Yeah, and, and also in the group stage, Marco Davio led them uh, to winning that group past the Red Bulls reserves and a Guatemalan team, I think. Uh, I, with the And Montreal was so far out of contention that they just rolled out all their starters for CCL. I just I don't think this moves the needle at all. Um, I think it's a necessary sort of you know, benchmark. It's, you know, it's, it's just like one more step along the way, but I'm, I'm, you know, first of all, nobody cares about the club world cup. Nobody cares about it. I, not just here, but abroad. I mean, I love the, no, it's, 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 yeah, the worst. I like, and it's another thing too, like you said, Thomas, if they go, if the impact go to the club world cup and beat Bayern or something, then it moves the needle a little bit just on via name recognition, you know, but yeah, I just don't think that, you know, I could be wrong here. I don't think really anybody cares about CCL outside of this region. Barely anybody cares about it in this region. Well, Even I, the players playing in it sometimes don't care about it. Yeah, I, I think what's making this such a big deal for MLS is just the simple fact that they, they haven't won it yet. Um, so what I likened it to was basically losing your virginity. You know, you you build it up and you want and, to have it Seth for is so speaking, long. Seth is speaking hypothetically right now. Yeah, three weeks ago. Like what? You, <laughs> <laughs> you you build it up and you want it for so long and so long, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, that's it. Oh, uh, all right. Ugh, I paid for that. I can't believe I paid for that. <laughs> um, well, Montreal yeah. did kind of pay for it by yeah. going down to Mexico a couple weeks early. Right? I mean, definitely, Seth, just like when you lost your virginity, prepare for the anti-climax Montreal <laughs> Impact fans because this is not uh, – I mean, I, 
look, it's a great accomplishment. And also, I applaud Montreal for taking the competition seriously, taking the time to train at altitude. You know, I obviously all all great things, but no, I don't think it moves the needle. Do you know what my cynical perspective is? I'm actually hoping that Montreal can win this. So we can just kind of go back to not caring about CCL. <laughs> uh, be, you and, don't like CCL? I love and, CCL for until the I, I like the idea of CCL, but there are too many things that just cheapen the tournament, like the horrible officiating and the... Sean Johnson one-day loan. Yeah. <laughs> the weird and, schedule. And the schedule. And yeah, that it, just it, makes me be like, oh, why am I investing any of my time in this extremely flawed competition? People who... There was also the argument of, well, it's allowed in the CONCACAF rules. I was like, yeah, yeah. CONCACAF allows qualifiers to be played on parking lots. They allowed... <laughs> allowed chuck blazer to have a cat apartment in new york city i mean let's not like if they allowed you know, just, jack like, warner to purchase like several islands yeah and, i'm gonna no. make an independent film where i just live like conky cat for one day <laughs> you know like it's like yolo it's like yoko or you only conky cat once or something and i just go out and live like conky cat does I, i'd be dead in 20 minutes like, <laughs> i don't know whatever uh yeah it's I, I mean, I, I I hope they win just for the story, but yeah, I I think that maybe it's it's impact, uh, no pun intended. I guess now it's intended. <laughs> the impact is a little bit overstated. That said, it'll be a good benchmark, like losing your virginity. Anyways, stay tuned for best soccer show. It's coming up in six minutes. Jason Davis. Yeah, we should, Jared we should... Dubois. We should have set up, like, a daily show, Colbert. Yeah. Oh, hey, toss. Jason, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason Davis, soccer morning. I mean, best soccer show. I'm here, Pablo. <laughs> this might have been one of the weirdest shows ever, I just yeah. want to say. Let's, let's, just, let's just end this, you know. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, chat you guys next week. May it will be less weird. May it will be more weird. 